and welcome to Tex Talks. I am Tex, and today I am talking to a South African rap powerhouse whose lyrical flexing is world class, a lady who has unapologetically blazed her own trail, preaching empowerment and taking names on whichever stage she steps. From the moment the country heard her hot on point rhymes, it was very clear that a new kind of hip hop star was born, and her career has been equally as interesting to follow as it unfolds. I am, of course, talking about Gigi LeMay. Gigi, welcome to the show, lady. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so, so much for having me. Thank you. <laughs> it is only a pleasure. Now, I know that you're a Jersey girl, but it's, you know, on, on socials, it looks like you've been cruising around the mother city in a sexy Ford Mustang. And I'm not going to lie. It's, it's a great look. What, what are you up to in Cape Town? Cause it looks like you're living your best vacation life. Um, but you know, maybe it's work and play while you're down here. Absolutely. Um, I just, I love Cape Town. I love everything about Cape Town. Um, the open, fresh air, the sea, the people, uh, the amazing food. Um, I really try to go down there a lot, um, you know, just to, to get a breath of fresh air. But I was actually in the mother city on some business, um, some stuff I can't talk about now, but it'll all make sense uh, in the future. And we are talking um one of the greatest exports in the world, if if I may hint. <laughs> um, Gigi, there's there's so much to talk about with you, right? You're you're one of the hottest rappers out there. You're a presenter. You're a businesswoman, a style icon, an academic, a social activist, a media personality. I mean, the list just really goes on and on with you. But here at Text Talks, we like to take it all the way back, right? So tell me yeah. about a young Genesis Gabriela having her first poem published in the Poetry Institute of Africa at the age of 11. Talk to me about that. Uh, so that was a very <laughs> weird time in my life um, because I think as all children, you know, growing up, we have all sorts of um ideas of the kinds of people we'll grow up to become. I remember at some point I wanted to be a nurse, then I wanted to be a doctor, then I wanted to be a pathologist. But I think with my story, um, it was carved out even before I realized it. Um, so my fifth grade teacher decides she's going to give us an assignment in English and it's to write your own poem. Um, I got back from it. It was about Valentine's Day and I remember I got back from home with it um, and she was mocking and she said, no, there's no way you could have written this, you know. Um, she checked that I didn't plagiarize and from there she signed me up um, at the Poetry Institute of Africa. Um, and that's pretty much how much it happened, uh, how, how that happened. And um, two, three, three poems in? Three poems in, um, you know, I was basically home at the Poetry Institute of Africa. But of course, naturally, you want more, you want to start writing more. But I do remember that was kind of where my journey had begun, you know, the idea of, you know, writing uh, pieces of arts. I just didn't know I was going to become a musician. But how did you discover your love and talent for words at such a early age, so, so early in life? I think my mom was the biggest um, helper when it came to that. Uh, I loved reading books. I mean, Roald Dahl was one of my favorites growing up as a child. The Three Little Pigs. 
The animal I really dig above all others is the pig. I always felt like I could write a better book. I always felt like I could tell a better story. Um, and I just, my connection with music when I'd hear it as a child was not necessarily, you know, the beats or the drums. It was the words, you know, the, the content of it all. And, um, and then I just started writing on my own. And this wasn't for school assignments. It wasn't to get a grade. You know, it was it was a hobby for me. Um, and I was in a space when I, where I'd become an extreme introvert because I was bullied at school. So um, it, it almost became like a, a refuge for me. You know, I'd have this little notebook out. And instead of going out at break time because I was too afraid to, um, I'd just sit in class and write and have my lunch and then resume with class. So I think it's just it's just everything, you know, the, the, the bullying and just loving to read books and always feeling like I could redesign and create better work from the work that I was engaging with. Mm. I was also very interested to find out that you participated in an exchange program in the UK under the Richard Branson mm. Scholarship Program at Stowe School in Buckingham. And I mean, that's considered one of the most prestigious schools in the world. What, what are some of the highlights mm. from that experience that stand out to you? Definitely that, um, you know, if you can dream it, you know, you can, you can have it. Uh, I, I began to understand manifestation through that program, you know, and how um, I, I used to watch a lot of things crazy enough. Uh, J.K. Rowling was somebody I read on a lot and then obviously went on to read all the Harry Potter books. And I was so interested mm -hmm. in like, you know, British culture and, you know, um, the big castles and that. So it was visualization in terms of that. But there was also just really trying to learn about new people and wanting to travel. Um, I just didn't realize that it would happen at such a young age and it would through, be through education. Um, but some of the biggest things I think I learned are about how proud you should be to be, you know, from wherever you are and how you almost become this beacon of um, information, not necessarily light, but information when you meet up with people around the world who are different from you. And I think from there, I definitely knew that whatever I wanted to do for the rest of my life would have to include traveling, educating people about where I come from, um, just experiential value when somebody is around me and and ultimately becoming a personal and professional ambassador for South Africa which is a country that I am very proud of that's incredible you know another thing that stands out to me about you was the Jack Daniels music scout competition in 2014. My name is Gigi Lemain. I think I'm one of the youngest um, MCs here today, so that's really exciting. And I'm from Johannesburg South, and I'm a Wits University student, so shout out to the Wits. You won out of 50,000 contestants, because firstly, that's incredible. And secondly, yes, I feel yes. like that win, out of all the competitions that you know, you, you've done really, really well in, was a massive moment in your come up. Am I, am I right? Mm -hmm. Absolutely, um, that's that's very true. Uh, it, it changed my life. Um, I mean, it was a matter of me like winning something that I had applied for on the library loans at university, and then getting that far, and then being told that you know I'm going off to America, and then you get back to America, and you be, you become this ultimate like this huge superstar through one song that you'd recorded like 
two months before you left. So um, that really like pivoted, I think, my career into a, into a space that I couldn't even fathom. And I think from there, really, there was no looking back. It was solidified that I was probably going to do music for the rest of my life. And, you know, while your hip hop style was just rising from one height to the next, you were also a student at WITS, right? But you're clearly yeah. an overachiever on all fronts because you graduated Dean's List, four distinctions, top of your media class. Like, what was the game plan at this point, right, Gigi? Like, was a nine to five yeah. ever an option for you? Or was it more like a, let me get my degree, let me keep my mother happy, and then focus yeah. on the music kind of situation? The latter, absolutely the latter. Thing. It was definitely <laughs> the latter. Um, <laughs> Mommy just wanted me to give her a degree because um, nobody in my family had ever gotten that far, hadn't ever been to a traditional university. Um, and she was like working really hard. She's a nursing sister by profession. So she had to like get two or three jobs to be able to kind of um, get me through university because I was doing a BA general. There aren't any, uh, there aren't many rather, um, sponsorship programs that go with that and I always felt that there were people who really really needed it more than me so my mom had to sacrifice that and I had to like just make sure that I got through with that I'm not even going to you know claim that I always knew music would be the last bit but I definitely knew that out of the whole Vits um, experience, I was going to choose one of two parts, either media, um, which is what I had studied, mm -hmm. uh, as well as anthropology, or um, going into music. And it's so crazy how the, the two or three worlds, rather, intertwined perfectly to create the person that I am now. You know, you have this gorgeous tattoo on your torso and it's of this <laughs> Egyptian bust. And I feel like if an anthropology graduate has a tattoo like that, there's got to be a story behind it, right? Talk to yeah. me about the significance of it. Firstly, it's really, really beautiful. Thank you. Thank you so much. <laughs> My mom cried when she heard I got it, but yeah, that's another oh, story. <laughs> Lord. She's really upset with me. <laughs> <laughs> but the, the the story of that is um uh you know about queen cleopatra you know as um one of the most powerful women historically um you know she fell in love with a man named julius caesar um and had a child named theophilus was unfortunately um killed later on you know in india um but she was like one of the most powerful women um on earth and you know with how she ran the egyptian empire um you know where her people loved her so much uh, there's a story of how she said she would only you know um she would only, how would I put it? She would only sacrifice her people through a suicide. She was willing to die for her people. Um, and, you know, the, the, the mythical story about the asp, the cobra biting her in her sternum area um, and her servants following her um, is the significance behind, you know, me deciding to get um, a picture of her in her sarcophagus, basically on my sternum area. So the idea that, you know, I'm willing to really fight for whatever I believe in. And I do believe that a lot of people, you know, should be like that. Um, being a female in that time must've been really hard. Uh, having your own kingdom and empire at that time must've been really hard. Falling in love with the European man across the world, that was extremely hard. And um, her story, I think for me, is one of the most beautiful yet underrated stories in world history. As somebody who's 
similarly built and is still building their empire. How difficult has it been for you in your come up? Wow, it's been very difficult. I mean, um, I, I have, I, you know, I wasn't born to a, like, a, you know, a very well-off family. You know, uh, my mother tried really hard as a single parent. She's married now and I'm really happy. I love my stepdad, and, you know, but um, it, it was really hard. I mean, I spoke earlier on about the bullying um, and mm-hmm. just not really, you know, I, I had, a, you know, a father figure, you know, at some point in my life um, who, you know, was damaged, you know, by whatever, well, whatever it was, you know, that's his story to tell, but in turn, you know, really damaged his own family. So having to kind of rise up beyond his alcoholism, uh, behind the, you know, the gender-based violence I had to witness in the house until my mom decided to leave 20 years later, um, was really hard, you know. Um, I've seen, you know, siblings get on, get off and on, then off and then on drugs. Um, I often used to sit down and think, wow, my life is an absolute movie. Is there anything that could happen <laughs> at this point? Um, but watching a lot of people's, you know, autobiographies um, and reading some of them, you would understand that in order to become great, you have to be past so many different stages and challenges in your life so at this Mm. point i think i've learned to say you know i'm ready for whatever because um since i was a child it was it was always kind of like a a fight to make sure that i just survived through to the next day um so i become very grateful you know of my of my journey because i know it's very unique um but i know i've put up a good fight i mean it makes it so much sweeter as well, when you achieve a level of success that you might have never thought possible, never even crossed your mind when you were a kid, mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? And now mm-hmm. here you sit having worked very hard and built everything um, or worked every, worked very hard for everything that you've achieved. Is there ever... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? Is there ever a desire to give back or mentor or maybe you see some mm. people coming up that you want to pull them aside and kind of give them a kind word or some friendly advice that maybe you never got when you were coming up? Absolutely, absolutely. I think with witnessing, um, you know, the life and career of Ricky Rick and how he passed, you know, the, one of the biggest things he preached was just that, um, and I looked around and I thought not many women, you know, who are currently mainstream are trying to, to reach out in that way. So the album's coming up and I thought, you know what, it's one thing to hand somebody a fish, but it's another to teach them how to fish, you know? So getting yeah. seasoned musicians on the album, but getting young up and coming artists as well on the album. Um, I mean, I'll, I'll be traveling to Zim, um, soon, um, hashtag GD and Zim. We've opened up a slot where young people can come through and compete and then, you know, um, get onto a stage and share a stage with me. Um, so I'm amazing. I'm, and obviously, I've, I've been speaking a lot on, you know, trying to uh, really, I, I don't know, it's just one thing to help somebody for now. But, you know, with all the, you know, the, the Jack Scouts and, and my journey, it goes to show that I was given a sustainable rope. You know, and I'd really like to give that to, to somebody else. So if you guys have ideas, I'm very open to them. Um, 
they, it's one thing to you know help somebody with their school fees, but it's a completely different thing to, to give them opportunities to be able to look after themselves and their families. So I'm very open to that. Um, I've done stuff with the United Nations. I hope as I grow older, I'll be given a more permanent position. <laughs> but that's the goal. That's the goal. That's what I'd love to do you know, for the rest of my life when you know, the lights are out and you know, the curtains close. We have a very engaged listenership and audience uh, to text talk. So I'm pretty sure that people will hit you up on socials if they have any ideas as well. And I think that that's an incredible platform and you're doing some amazing work. But, you know, you mentioned Cotton Fest. And one of the things that I absolutely love about the platform that Ricky created was the opportunity for brands to really give back to the culture and the youth mm. specifically. And I, you know, one brand that we work with a lot on text talks, and I know that you work with as well, is Puma, right? Shout out Hayden yeah. for all of the drip yeah. and all of the good vibes. And I remember when you were involved in their 2015 Run the Streets campaign. I mean, that was that was a huge campaign that was headlined by like the weekend. Um, but tell me about your relationship with the brand. And also what that campaign meant in terms of, you know, being recognized on that international level at the time. I mean, it was crazy. Uh, <laughs> every time I think about it, I still smile and kind of like, I can't believe that happened because I used to see people like Nomza Mombata and, you know, a few athletes wearing Puma and I never, ever thought you know, that they would trust me with such a task, you know, Nasty and I being young kids that just come into the industry and um, we're really trying to get our voices heard. For me, that changed the scope of a lot of things. Um, I began to understand how important it was for, you know, MNCs to come through and support brands, but it was very evident um, from the inception of Gigi LeMain into the mainstream market that Puma was helped me run the streets. The campaign was called Run the Streets. And that's exactly what they helped me do. And um, mm. until this day, I still, I'm actually looking down at my, my slides, my Puma slides, and I'm thinking, wow, they actually did a lot, you know, for the girl child when it came to that campaign because people were so used to seeing boys and, um, you know, people that you wouldn't even get to meet. You know, so for them to localize it and bring it home and still, you know, export it into the rest of the world was crazy for me. I didn't even believe it was happening to me. And a huge shout out to Puma and the team for believing in me like that. And um, no matter what happens, you know, whether it was a cotton fest or Gigi Gang show or something that's coming up um, or your favorite football team, Puma's on side. So shout out to them for giving back to culture and just, you know, remaining true to, to us. No matter what happens, you know, Puma has just always stayed loyal to youth urban culture. You know, you mentioned them changing the scope. I think as much as Puma were changing the scope, so are you. Because I remember in 2019 when you were invited as a guest speaker and to perform at the ADE International Music Conference, the Amsterdam yes. dance event for those who don't know. And I mean, that, I remember being very intrigued by that because I was like, it's primarily an electronic music festival. And yeah, they keep the lineup fresh. But I'm sure that what it meant as a South African hip-hop artist to be invited to speak and perform at that festival, one of the busiest clubbing cities in the world. I mean, Gigi, that's huge. I'm sure that that was at the time for you, like mind-blowing. 
Yes, yes. Uh, that was extremely mind blowing because, as you said, like it was a dance event, um, and I think at that time I'd started experimenting with dance, and you know, from a from a creative point of view, it it, it allowed me to like you know get out of my comfort zone. Um, listen to different music collaborate with different people uh and and mm. i got to appreciate you know not just hip hop but you know um, different kinds of music um specifically dance and what it does to people and how happy it makes people electronic dance for how much work is put into creating a product that will you know ultimately become soundtracks to people's lives so just being you know a part of something like that and even being noticed was a huge 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 deal for me you know and then the inauguration happens and i think <laughs> that for me was just as crazy yeah absolutely absolutely insane that the inauguration but then also the gigi gang show as well uh where you become mm. the first female to put together a hip hop one woman show which is crazy you know to think that at the time you were in 2019 and it hadn't happened yet and that lineup was hot mm. you had Questa mm, and Nadia Nakai and Rouge, who I love, by the way, shout out Rouge, Moosley and, and, and Rouge. the reason, Coolie uh, China and like five thousand people pulled through to Soweto for that show. Mm. And I mean, how did you wow. feel seeing that you had that power to unite some of the hottest names in South African hip hop to perform at that show? I mean, that's some other kind of street cred right there. Yeah. They, they they always say you know women have got the power to start wars and end wars, and I just like to put in that women have the power to like bring people together too, you know. And uh, that's always been a, 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 an interesting notion for me because the boys were doing it, you know. Nasty had Ivy San, um, you know. Questa had Intrupelo, Casper had Philip, you know. AKA had um, I think it was the Super Mega Show, Povamania, uh, and all that. And Ricky, you know, now had Cotton Fist still has. Cotton fest, and I'm sitting there. I'm like, why aren't the girls challenging this? Like, for me, everything has always been very competitive, and I don't mind who it is as long as we all get to grow from it. Um, so it was a huge risk, uh, and you know, it's 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 something that now we've taken to Zimbabwe, as I'm saying, rather as the Fever Fest. It's been renamed as the Fever Fest, which is after my great grandfather, and it's it's. I, I wish we believed in ourselves more as women because mm. we'd be surprised at how much we would get done. Um, it, I just didn't feel comfortable with the idea that the boys could put together all these shows and we couldn't. Um, and I heard something quite disturbing once when somebody said, oh, "After 35, a girl can't do music or can't rap anymore." Like what are you even talking about? What? So I really want my, you know, my testimony. I know, right? <laughs> I really want my testimony to be that, you know. Um, I did it just like the boys, if not better. You know, um, of all time in South Africa, you know, holistically, not just album sales, but like everything and giving back to the culture and just representing on that level. Um, that's what I want to do. I want people to look back and young girls to like look up and say, "Listen, if she could do this, imagine what we could do now." And shout out to the Mapiano movement. I think that's exactly what they represent and how they're pushing the boundaries. And I'm very much within the Mapiano movement. You know, collaborating with other artists, and you know, it's all about Africa to the world. That's so crazy. Like women haven't even 
hit their peak in their 30s. Like they've just begun to hit their stride. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like what is Jen, Jennifer right. Lopez is 52. I mean, can we just for a second? <laughs> like, do you know what I mean? Do you know what yeah. I mean? But in 2020, uh, your, your show, the Gigi Gang show, Yo, what's up, guys? It's your girl Gigi Lemain, aka Inko Sazanaya Sekasi, aka the female park on aka on aka on aka because I'm just fly like that. <laughs> and welcome, guys, to the very first virtual experience for the Gigi Gang Show. It's 2020. Pink views went online for obvious reasons <laughs> that we don't need to name. Um, yeah. But how did this event differ? from your stadium show? How did you have to change things up when you were conceptualizing it? It was COVID. My fellow South Africans. It was, it was difficult. <laughs> the convergence bit, you know, um, was very difficult for us because everyone was in their homes. People submitted their performances. We had interviews um, over platforms. And it was just like really, really difficult because there was only so much we could do but I believe in, you know, the show must go on. And, you know, we're not going to um, wait for things to happen. We're going to, you know, continue. Um, and, yeah, that was a very difficult time, I think, for a lot of us. So just getting the pink views in. And the reason why it was pink views was because I wanted it to be more inclusive of the Pride community. Um, and I, I think we did a really, really good job um, from that, but lots to change. And I, I, I remember just saying, universe, if you can make this COVID stuff go away, I'm going to hook up some of the nicest shows. I'm going <laughs> to, <laughs> I'm going to like, I'm, I, I really want to do more for the culture. So please, like this cannot be the end of the world. We've got so much more to accomplish. So that moment was bittersweet for me, you know, the pink views edition. Cause it was like, I'm hanging in there and there's so many ideas we had and, the world just kind of stopped. You know, what I loved about the Pink Views platform is that you used it to introduce your all-inclusive lingerie range for the African body. Yes. Uh, am, I, am I pronouncing it correctly? La Jardin. Le Jardin, yes, you are. Le into Jardin. the garden. Mm. <laughs> mm. Talk to me about your experience of moving into the retail space. It's been very difficult. Um, it's very competitive. Um, I've always come from, a, I mean, my parents, uh, when they were married, had the whole tuck shop salon situation. And, you know, that, that's where I, I come from. So um, Le Jardin was very important to me because everyone kept saying, you look so good in lingerie. Like, have you ever thought of starting it up? And my best friend has got the most amazing curves. And she always used to struggle to find, you know, um, you know, lingerie, uh, stuff that looks good in her. So we decided to start manufacturing locally. But that would mean that it was very boutique-based and, you know, slightly more expensive. So we ha have had to, you know, keep it online. But just the idea that it's, it's also a political statement, you know, about how, you know, we, we need to be more inclusive. Even, you know, um, even clothing, you know, is politics. Um, I think that was the big thing for us. So Le Jardin was launched. It's still up and running. So if you're a lady, if you're a guy and you're into lingerie and you like your silk boxer shorts, Le Jardin is the place for you. We really try to make it all inclusive. Um, not everybody looks like, a, you know, 
yeah, whoever. <laughs> I don't want to name drop names, but <laughs> you know what I mean. Like all inclusive, mm-hmm. you can walk into an online store and you'll find something for yourself there. That's incredible. I should really go check that out. Like I love, yeah. I love experiencing new things like that and checking out new brands, especially if they're local. There's some amazing local apparel on the scene. Um, I've been getting into it over the last few months as well. Shopping local, you know, supporting supporting mm. small businesses, which is really important, especially um, in light of COVID and so many businesses closing down. But unrelated yeah. to COVID, you disappeared off the grid in 2020 for a couple of months to go on a spiritual journey and answer your calling to become a healer. And I understand that this is sacred and you can't speak about what happened while you were off on your journey, but how do you feel about the person who you are now versus the person you were before you went on this journey? Like, do you feel like there's been a significant change in you at all? Uh, absolutely. I think I am more conscious of who I am and, you know, the journey's not it's it's very much about yourself you know um and there were a lot of things i was struggling with before you know just the pressures of being who you are um i'm somebody who never really um appreciates what i do for myself like nothing is ever enough um and 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 i'm glad that i could go into a space where i was completely isolated from people and you know meditation was the focus healing was the focus connecting with your higher being was the focus um, and I came back very different. I, there were more challenges when I got back because now you've almost got this different mindset and state of mind. But I will say that it, like, I came back uh, more grounded and more appreciating of the, pers- the people around me um, you know, and, and, and what I was doing for, for me. Um, I think you know, the journey teaches you a lot about how you can't control your environment, but you can definitely control, you know, what you surround yourself with. And it found me, you know, chopping and changing a lot of things, um, including the, the company I had around me, um, the, 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 the lifestyle, the food I was eating. I'm sure everyone can see there was like a miraculous shift, you know, in my, in my body and the way it looked. And now I'm feeling more confident. And that all came from, you know, disappearing for a bit. and really connecting you know my spiritual with you know my physical my emotional my mental um and it's a work in progress every day but it was simply the manuscript during that time that i needed to be given and that i needed to be taught and now i'm back in the real world feeling great being a traditional healer and respecting that calling but also being in the public eye on the level that you are are there certain things that you are no longer allowed to do or say of certain things that you have to maybe be more careful of? Absolutely. <laughs> I have to be careful of the company I keep. Um, mm-hmm. I find mm-hmm. that because I, 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 I manifest the kind of characters around me. Um, I, 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 people come into my life, but people also leave my life. And I have to be okay with the universe giving me that. But I'll kid you not, there's so much, there's so much um, clarity, you know, that I've gotten from that. So, I mean, even eating, uh, there, there's some things that I can eat now. There's some things that I don't eat anymore. And it's purely because, you know, um, you know, healthy versus unhealthy. You know, it's, it's not anything deep like, oh, my goodness, after you come back, you're absolutely going to die if you eat this. <laughs> it's just, you know... Um, 
trying to eat healthier. So there are lots of things that have changed. And um, if you're somebody who might just go on that journey, just be prepared to, to, to lose, but understand that it's for a bigger gain. Um, that's the biggest lesson I was taught throughout that. And I'm somebody who's more of like an isolationist now. So, I mean, I, I have to be around mm-hmm. people when I work, but when it's time to be alone and to be within my own space, like as in now, then I, I'm so happy and I find solace in being alone, but not lonely, you know? So there are lots of things that you have to adjust to, but once you're back from it all, you, you have a different perspective on life and on people. I think you've kind of unlocked the secret to life. And a a lot of people are who listen, who are listening to this are probably like very jealous at the fact that you can be by yourself but not be lonely because isn't that, isn't that the goal, right? To be able to enjoy your company when there's nobody else around Mm. you. Like I love my own Mm. company. You know what I mean? Especially Mm. when it's like, it's like Saturday morning and like nobody's up yet. And I can like watch the news Mm. or read the newspaper or whatever. And just like completely Mm. zone out. It's like me time, you know? Like before I have to go walk my dog and before people start messaging me and I'm like, everybody just leave me alone. (laughs) But I could listen, I I want to, something crazy crazy you're saying is uh, the dog element. So I've got two Maltese poodles. uh, Oh, lovely. Apollo and Aries. And they've got their own Instagram page. And I kid you not, when, when I get home from work or, you know, when, when they're around me, it's, it's so crazy at how we're codependent in feelings. Like we don't talk like (laughs) verbally, but that communication and understanding that we all have, you know, (laughs) a purpose on earth. And for you and I right now, Apollo and Reese, you guys just need to make me happy. I need to make you happy. But in order to make you happy, I need to be happy because I treat you better. That's the greatest conversation you can have with everyone, anyone. And the truth is you can't really have that conversation with humans. So I will say like the dog elements, like getting yourself a pet, whatever it is, like a plant, like it changes your life forever. Yeah, totally. It totally changes your life forever. Okay, Gigi, I have my Instagram open. Um, You need to tell me what the handle of your dogs are so I can follow them. Yes. Okay. So it's the Lemain twins. <laughs> oh, the Lemain. the Lemain twins. Yeah, they they're so cool. <laughs> twins. Yes, the Lemain twins. Yeah. If if not the Lemain twins, wait. Are... Let me just check. Lemain twins. Sorry, Lemain twins. Yeah, Lemain like Gigi Lemain twins. Okay, my yes, there they are. Yes. There they are. <laughs> I got they them followed. The thing ever. <laughs> oh. Please, they would love it. <laughs> I'll oh, get them we to need follow to get, back. Oh my gosh, we need to get your dogs and my dogs for a little play date because my dog is just the best. Yay, he's fluffy. Absolutely. He cute. <laughs> he's the best. He loves all dogs. He's just he just wants to like make oh. friends. Okay, so we are we on for a play date? Woohoo! Okay, <laughs> my dog yes, has more friends now. <laughs> I'm going to that. I'm going to that. <laughs> Oh my gosh. Listen, I have to ask, right? I have to ask about that interview that you did in 2021, where you literally gave everybody a heart attack and you said that you you were like, I'm done. I'm done with SA Hip Hop. (laughs) And everybody was like, oh, Gigi, what? Like all your fans were up in arms. Twitter was losing its (laughs) mind. 
and you know, I I remember thinking like you you know you just release mermaids and stuff, and I was wondering like if you had thought that you were done with it, like before you were recording the album or while you were making it. Like if you if you had already decided that this was something that you were going to do. Like, like while you're in studio, you were like, this is the last album. Or when it came out, you were like, actually, you know what? You know what? Maybe I want to go, maybe I want to go try some other things. Cause you know, sometimes things are also taken out of context. Maybe by you saying, ah, I've had yeah. enough was just your way of saying, I want to go and try other stuff. So, um, for me, it was, I don't know what it was. I think I was, I was caught in between like trying to try something new, but in the same breath, kind of like feeling as though, I don't know, nothing much is happening for hip hop. And I got a few calls from a few people who were very upset with me for that. And who were kind of like, dude, like this is bigger than you. You know, you can't like, there's a directive that's needed from you and a few other women in this industry. You know, it can't just be like, I'm done and I'm doing this. And, you know, Mm. and I did retract the statement and I think some people felt better <laughs> about me retracting the statement and um I'm due to drop a hip-hop album I guess um and I think I I was in a very good space now um after that announcement I had people talking to me about you know how reckless that was and how um you know sometimes you may you know it is about your happiness but you know, there's some people who just have to admit that, you know, your life is not no longer just yours. You know, um, there's so many narratives that you have to change. So many things you were doing, you know, like the one woman show and this and that. Um, and, and you can't just walk away from that because now you become like a, a leader. You become a, a big sister. You become a friend. You become a confidant. So, um, you know, sometimes when things are for a cause, even though it's not serving you anymore, this is the part where you have to be selfless enough to say, you know what, I have to go out, find that love again that I had for something. Um, because I won't lie to you, like, I was very um, repelled by the state of hip-hop, you know, the fact that people were not coming together, the fact that everything, I'm okay with things being competitive, but I'm not okay with the fact that you walk in somewhere and, you know, somebody who you consider your hip-hop mates has a problem with you speaking to somebody else. And it was just oh, the toxicity of the environment that had me saying that not because I, I didn't love what I did, but it was just the toxicity was there. And I had just come back from, you know, this spiritual place and the sabbatical. And now I have to be here kind of like, you know, just taking sides, you know, and um, the biggest lesson I heard from that, uh, um, you know, announcement slash retraction was, you know, what like, you have to do you, you have to do you, you're Gigi, you love what you do you know, your environment shouldn't be the reason why you decide not to do anything anymore. Like continue. Mm -hmm. Those who see you, see you, those who appreciate you, appreciate you. You really do not need to be in any clicks to be validated by any men in hip hop to be, you know, like if somebody's going to work with you, they're going to work with you. I mean, the album right now, big Zulu's on it, you know, um, uh, Anza's on it, some Musicholics on it, some great names are on it. Um, some names outside of South Africa are on it. Um, and it goes to show that the validation I never really needed. I just needed to like put my head down and write in that notebook, you know, the way I used to write in it when I was 11 years old. You tweeted, wait for the album. It's going to be a bloodbath <laughs> last month. And listen, that is the tease that I am living for. And you just dropped a few <laughs> names. But what else can you tell me 
about what you have planned for the album. I want to know. I want to know as much as you can tell me, Gigi. Yes, absolutely. Uh, oh, the album's got a lot of surprises. In and out of music, actually, there's a huge announcement we're about to drop, um, something to do with inter the international market. Um, and this is Gigi as a person. Um, and it, it's just, it's going to be a historical moment for South Africa. So I'm really excited about that. Um, the album, you know, also encompasses just that feeling, that positive energy. Um, it's hip hop and the bonus track, Mashonisa is dance. It features Makazi and Busiswa. Uh, and it was amazing to work with Busiswa, you know, her extensive, uh, experience in the international market. Makazi is doing extremely well right now. Um, and also mm -hmm. some young up and coming people is an amazing young uh, woman. Her name is John Kalia. I was introduced to her at Blackie's listening session. And I think she's one of South Africa's, you know, next uh, female hip hop icons. And I'm just glad that I get to introduce her to the markets. And um, I just can't wait for her to get on those stages and do really, really well. Oh, the list is endless. And the album is just jam packed. Uh, we have a, a launch as well coming up in Durban. Uh, we're working on something really cool, farm-related in Cape Town, uh, where people can just go there and just party and have a good time. And it's 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 going to be a good time, you know, for South African music. And and uh, obviously the Zim, of course, the Zim tour is coming up, the Fever Fest. Really excited about that one. Two cities. We're putting on some new acts. There's some new acts that the Zim audience are familiar with. Um, and it's it's all about really just spreading the love. It's about celebrating African music. Um, and about putting each other on. Gigi, you stay shining and climbing, and it's been an absolute honor to chat to you today. I cannot wait to see what the rest of 2022 has in store for you, and I hope that you come back and that we do our dog play dates very soon. <laughs> yes, definitely, definitely. I will be back in the Mother City very, very soon. Um, and like I said, we've got a lot of surprises for the Mother City. So you'll definitely be first to know. I promise, I promise, I promise. And, you know, for me, it's like, let's just share the love. Let's learn from each other. You know, um, yeah.
phone number billion no tando cash for sale billion but you can't go to go get up and you couldn't even get a table my makeup on and my jumpsuit right what i'm reaching for i will get to so it's all of text talks a huge shout out to tom's the only music store for always having our backs technically remember to follow text talks on all socials and subscribe and rate on whatever platforms you stream your podcasts on head on over to texttalks.com for all our previous episodes and remember that's text with a double x from me your host tex producers jonathan ings and matthew lewitz and research and associate producer al clapper catch you on the flip side